Hey, what's up, guys, gals, ladies, gentlemen? Welcome into episode 226 of Living Off the Land. I'm Dan here with my co-host, Stephen. Stephen, it is a Tuesday night, and you know what that means. Two, two, six people. We're back for another episode, and boy, do we have a lot of great stuff for you tonight. I'm glad you delayed that because I didn't know where you were going. A two, two. I don't know if it was like that was a, a play uh, on uh, Rich Eisen when he was calling out Chris Olave's uh, uh, forty time. It was it was four two six. Got it. Two two six. But he literally said like that four two six. Oh, it was forty time. People. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, well, Chris Olave is a New Orleans Saint, so. Actually, you know what? We might talk about him a little bit later. Yeah. A little foreshadowing for you. Mm -hmm. Let me off the land. But anyway, tonight uh, we feature a beer of the week like we do every week. And full disclosure, I forgot that I got a Market Garden beer last week. So two weeks in a row we're having Market Garden, which isn't a bad thing. Market Garden's a great brewery, one of the best in the city. So uh, last week we did – the Oktoberfest Old Zom from Market Garden Brewery. This week, we're doing their Pumpkin Spice Ale Franklin Castle. We're getting spooky with it tonight, folks. And this, last week, uh, was in a bit of a funky-colored can, although uh, I was corrected or had pointed out, been pointed out, that the color of the can for the Oktoberfest is actually part of the uh, some sort of like Bavarian flag or something, the light blue. Oh, no kidding. Or something like that. Okay. I don't know. I can't remember. That would make sense, though. Yeah. So, but uh, Market Garden, their pumpkin spice ale is in a fluorescent orange can, almost like highlighter orange. Mm-hmm. And it pops, man. It absolutely pops. So, Oklahoma State. That's what it looks like to me. Oh, yeah, with the black lettering. Yeah, I got you there. That makes sense. More uh, foreshadowing on that one. Yeah. Oh, hey now. Hey now. You guys thought the 24 game was gone. Mm. <laughs> Is it? But anyway, let's get to the beer. So, Pumpkin Spice Ale, Franklin Castle from Market Garden. It is a 7.0 ABV uh, pumpkin beer. Guys, I know you. I know that it's crazy to think about pumpkin beer. We're still in August. Well, technically, does August have thirty-one days in it? August has thirty-one days. Okay, so we're thirty-first. Yeah. Well, you're listening to this probably on thirty-first of August mm-hmm. at least. But we've got pumpkin beers. We've got Oktoberfest, and it is still technically August. But we're going to be getting into September here soon. And yeah, I know probably a lot of you are going to be sad that the colors on the leaves are going to be changing here in a few weeks, at least starting to. When does that usually start happening? Late September? Very end of September. Yeah. Beginning of October. I mean, it's it's been a little bit cooler than average in August. It, it may happen slightly early if it, that continues into September, but uh, yeah. we'll see about that. <laughs> well, anyway, Pumpkin Spice Ale, Franklin Castle from Market Garden. 
very, 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 very good pumpkin beer. If you are a person of the pumpkin beer variety, you're absolutely going to love this. They do a great job with their pumpkin spice uh, ale. And uh, let me just pull up some specs here for the beer. Should have had this done already. Well, once again, Market Garden Brewery right in Ohio City on West 25th Street. Uh, fabulous place to go to. Um, not just great beer, great food, great times, great energy in the place every time I go in there. Uh, definitely a place to check out if you have How many times have you there. been in there? Uh, maybe three times. Okay. You're not yeah. a beer drinker, so I... I no. Yeah. Okay, so named after our close neighbor with an eerie history. Everybody knows Franklin Castle in Cleveland. The best told uh, with an eerie history that's best told with this brew in hand. This tasty ale is mashed with whole pumpkins, then spiced in the kettle with cinnamon, ginger, vanilla beans, and muscovado sugar. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but... It definitely tastes like all those things, and it is fantastic. It takes a lot to get into the eights for me. Yeah, it does. You're a seven e kind of guy. <laughs> this is an eight point one. Eight point one. This is Ooh. this is such a good beer. Such a good beer. It is not my favorite pumpkin ale. We will see that soon. That is one of the very very few beers that I've ever rated in the nines. Mm. And if you're a listener to this podcast, nine, you, yes, nine. Whoa! If you're a listener to this podcast, you know what beer I'm talking about. Might have just might just have to do that next week. I don't know. Pumpkin overload. We'll, we'll see. Oktoberfest is this weekend at the Berea Fairgrounds. I will hopefully be there uh, this weekend. Actually, next week they're doing it two weeks this year. But um, yeah, so I mean, we're jumping full throttle into the uh, into the fall beers, but. 8.1 here for Market Garden Franklin Castle Pumpkin Spice Ale. Just love this beer. If you're a pumpkin fan, anything pumpkin, pumpkin sweets, pumpkin coffee, pumpkin beer, you're going to love this. It's gonna, it, it tastes like fall. It's going to take you to around Halloween time, Franklin Castle, one of the probably the most noted, quote-unquote, haunted houses in the city of Cleveland and uh, aptly named for the beer here. So, yeah, Franklin Castle from Market Garden. That is the beer of the week. It's going to be an interesting, well, you know, guaranteed, we ever do the dozen again on this podcast, that's going to be a question. What beer did Dan give a nine to? Whoa, 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 whoa. Copyright laws. We can't say the dozen. Oh. We don't have that copyrighted. I might have to strike that from the episode. <laughs> Stiff's Trivia Bonanza. Hmm call it that until we have something better anyway anyway let's talk neighborhood <laughs> let's do it and let's, let's let's get to know another one so this neighborhood i was i was about to before i looked at the <laughs> geographical lines i was about to say this is another neighborhood that is devoid of people but that's not actually true okay uh it's mostly devoid of residential neighborhoods it is on the far southwest corner of cleveland this is the Labor Day weekend coming up here. It's going to be a huge travel weekend. It is one where, you, uh, aside from Memorial Day and aside from Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's probably like the fourth biggest weekend of the year for travel. Um, maybe July 4th would be bigger also, but uh, it's right up there. And a lot of these people are going to be taken to the skies. 
Today we are going to talk about Hopkins neighborhood. And this neighborhood of Cleveland starts at Puritas Avenue in the far north end. Like the airport? And it goes down along I-7. The eastern border goes along I-71 and Route 237 and then goes past IX Center Drive and Aerospace Parkway and then over to Valley Parkway in the west. And it basically just hugs the Metro Parks all the rest of the way up. And as Dan just mentioned, most of this land encompasses Cleveland Hopkins International Airport with a fairly small-ish residential and some industry uh, industrial buildings on the north end, just uh, on the other side of the rental car depot. Uh, the residential area here is, you know, is pretty much just typical working class for the most part, uh, aside from the small CMHA project across from I-71. Uh, but the majority of what we're going to talk about here is, in fact, Cleveland Hopkins International Airport, which... This place. I used to was, live right next to the airport. Was actually, a, really? Oh, yes, you did. On uh, West One Forty Seventh and uh, Triscuit. I no, believe. no, no. I'm talking about when I was like, when I, my parents' first house. Oh, oh, even further back. Oh yeah, like like literally right next to the airport. I forget what the street's called. Keep going. This sorry airport is one that is is actually quite historic in several ways. It was actually the first airport ever that ever had an air traffic control tower built with it mm. and was the first to have a two a double decker terminal design separating arrivals from departures i.e. departures on the second level and arrivals on the first level mm-hmm. which i can't even imagine how airports were back when you had people who were departing and arriving uh, both going into the same area that must have been just a complete cluster uh, and cleveland was the first one to basically solve that problem so uh, Cleveland Hopkins International Airport has three runways, two of which are 9,000 feet in, in length and the other about 6,000 for smaller planes. Total passengers in 2021 were uh, 7.3 million, which was still down from its pre-pandemic high of about 11 million passengers in 2019. We should see numbers pretty close to that or perhaps even beating that in 2022 because the appetite for people to travel is very high. They've been basically cooped up inside for the better part of two years. And as the, if you've ever gone online to see what airplane prices look like right now, uh, you're probably experiencing major sticker shock because they have been yeah. high pretty much the entire year. It's only <coughs> just been, you know, if you look ahead toward fall and uh, into the early part of the winter, at least until you get before December, the prices actually don't look as bad as they were over the summer. But... Uh, if you can, if you can get a cheap fare out of anywhere, uh, I knew I had that right. So I, I, sorry, I used to live yeah. right, right next to the airport, literally right next to the runway, uh, right off of Sheldon Road on Parkland Avenue. Okay, yeah, Sheldon Road is just on the the south end. Yep. Of Hopkins. Yeah. So um, that's right along the border between Brook Park and Berea, actually. That was our street, that one right here. Okay. So yep. literally, I would I would fall asleep. So I I can sleep through basically anything, and I credit that to the fact that. I basically fell asleep with planes landing in my, you know, even with the windows closed. Yeah, you you can hear that if you're that. I mean, that's not even half a mile, maybe only a quarter of a mile away yeah. from the terminal building. Yep. Gee whiz. Yeah, the, the only good thing about that is that you were perpendicular to the uh, to the runway. You were not directly at the edge of, you know, right. one or the other, which that's right. absolutely the worst place to be. Uh, but be that as it may, um, 
that was never really an issue here because on the north end is is where you had I four eighty and I seventy one, and on the south end of the main runway, it was a whole bunch of uh, auto factories hmm. in in Brook Park. Uh, the Cleveland engine plant, the Ford plant, is actually still there, although the Cleveland casting plant and the the other building just to the south of there is long since gone. But be that as it may, uh, if I just go through this a little bit, Cleveland historically was a hub for United Airlines, which uh, for a long time prior to their merger with Continental, and, well, well, I should say it was Continental back then. Those two airlines merged in 2008, and then we ended up losing the United hub in 2000. 14, right. but soon after that happened, Frontier <coughs> Airlines and Spirit Airlines entered the market, which uh, in Southwest with their acquisition of AirTran also uh, expanded their reach in the region. So you had a whole bunch of discount carriers move in, and as a result, Cleveland is actually, for an airport of its size, which was 43rd in passenger count in 2011 nationally, uh, a lot of the fares you'll see here are actually very competitive and perhaps even better than other cities of its size. Right, which is which is excellent. If you, especially if you're going to places, a lot of the fun destinations like places in Florida or Nashville or Las Vegas, or Italy, or Phoenix. You'll well, hey, we <laughs> had we had nonstop service to Iceland actually for a while yeah, before we did. Wow Air ended up going filing for bankruptcy due to the pandemic, which <laughs> filed like bankruptcy <laughs> like their cable did. Wow. Oh, gee. Yeah, are we talking about the airline or the cable company here? <laughs> I don't think they filed for bankruptcy. I think they just got taken over. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> wow, aptly named. Nice wow. one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, certainly, um, it used to be before before we came out of the pandemic, you could get to to Vegas for like ninety nine bucks. You could get to Nashville for fifty nine bucks. Now it's like crazy. It's like three hundred dollars to get anywhere. But you know, eventually things are going to return to normal, and we're gonna we're gonna see those deals again. Um, but again, um, Cleveland Hopkins has almost. This is actually kind of interesting because. Um, I'm just going to segue here a little bit. The city of Yaounde, Cameroon, which is the capital of Cameroon, which is where my lovely wife, Aren, comes from. Shout out, Aren. Yaounde is almost a similar size city as Cleveland, metro area of about 3 million. And their airport, Yaounde and Similan Airport, has four gates. Cleveland Hopkins, by comparison, has almost 70. Now, some Jeez. of those are on Concourse D, which has been basically vacant ever since – United downsized their operation, but there's still a, about 50 functioning gates at Cleveland Hopkins Airport, and the uh, passenger traffic again is picking up every day. It's a really huge economic boon to our region uh, to have this right here, and you know that it's been. And one thing I also do want to point out is that it has been 13, no, 15 years since there has been any sort of safety issue with any flight at Hopkins. 2007, there was, That's a Delta, good to know. there was a Delta Connection flight that tried to land in snowy weather and gusty winds. It was like mid-February, and it skidded off the runway. That That's literally been the only issue there's been in the last 20 years. So I know there are some people who are a little bit flight-phobic and who are not familiar with air travel and all of that, but... All the statistics say that air travel is actually far safer than car travel and is, frankly, uh, perhaps even more s safe than riding a scooter or a skateboard, quite frankly. Interesting. So, yeah. 
which I know scootering is like the the big thing now. Uh, scoot, scoot. Downtown, and yeah. that, that whole thing started up during the pandemic, and it's just bird uh, scoots. Continues. Yeah, uh, I see people on those all the time, especially when I'm doing lift driving late at night. So, yeah, they definitely keep you on your toes. <laughs> they certainly Jeez. can if they're not following the traffic laws. That's right, darn sure. But be that as may, um, that is Hopkins neighborhood. It is one of the primo neighborhoods in terms of economic activity and actually some of the uh, residential properties you're not going to see like 200 300 thousand dollar homes there nope. but you know this is your typical you know 100 to 200 thousand you know it's just your you know typical a lot of split level typical uh, neighborhood. split level homes yeah. uh small ranches yeah not on not unlike what i have here great for getting to wherever you need to go i mean you're just a couple minutes off the highway and just a few minutes away from an airport that can take you anywhere (sighs) in the country pretty much that's right over 50 destinations out of cleveland hopkins that's right uh in fact the the newest one that they just got alaska airlines actually just Mm. started operations at cleveland hopkins who wants to go to juno we have nonstop flights to seattle oh yeah which is great very nice you know i'd like to take a trip to seattle I've never been to Seattle. No, that would actually either. be that would actually be pretty cool, and that's yeah. that going to be our nice next seg- a nice segue to our next se- topic, actually. Ah, but, uh, yeah, but but first you can wham this one with the right hand. We are going to wham this one with the right hand. That's right. All right, so as Steve aptly uh, teased our very next segment, we're going to talk about the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. Yes, and before the Guardians got to Seattle, they went to San Diego, which <coughs> unfortunately is... San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. wasn't sure if you could say that on this podcast, but <laughs> that was the I thing mean, actually, I, was, I was thinking of. Actually saying the scientific term? Yeah. Like if you were going to say it, if you are going to drop a C word, okay, yeah, no, you can't <laughs> oh, do that. You don't say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why I always get nervous whenever you or Ryan said chunt. On those post-game podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your mind out of the gutter, Steve. Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so. But um, uh, be that as it may, the Guardians started their week in San Diego, which unfortunately you can't get to nonstop from Hopkins. You'd have to fly into Los Angeles first. But the Guardians went to San Diego, and they knocked out the, the Padres two straight. They, to they start knocked their out the Fathers. And then after that, they took that. Probably Alaska Airlines flight. Well, no, who am I kidding? They're probably just flying charter uh, to Seattle, where that's where they um, the bats just. I don't know if they didn't bring the bats or. I'll or tell what you what. Happened. Seattle has a hell of a pitching staff. Uh, they are going to be dangerous. I mean, they already are. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're right in the middle of the wild card mix. I mean, they're they're looking poised to make the playoffs probably, but. Yeah, I, they just – you know, I didn't see a lot of the games uh, over that Seattle series, but from everything I read, saw on social media, um, we had a rare off um, series at the plate. You know, the Guardians don't hit a lot of home runs. They also don't strike out a lot. They're one of Which those I like rare, a lot. rare throwback teams, almost like an NL – like almost like an old-school NL team that, uh, you know, hits for contact, gets on base, plays the bases, steals bases, stuff like that. That's how we score our runs. We don't really have home run hitters. I mean, Jose was on a torrid pace to begin the season. You know, he was looking to hit over 40 home runs at the beginning of the season on pace. Now he's probably not even going to crack 30, and he's hit our most home runs by far. So, um, 
having Framil Reyes completely fizzle out didn't really help matters in that department. But no. But yeah, I mean Seattle mowed us down as far as their pitching staff goes. I mean they they really held us in check in that series. Guardians ended up losing three of four to Seattle uh, in games where they scored one, two, four, and zero runs respectively. Yeah, lost and, three of four, but hey, against San Diego and Seattle to go five hundred on that road trip, I'll take it. Yeah, again, those are teams that have very similar records to the Guardians, so they're just within a game or two, yeah. so not so bad. Uh, and then, of course, the Guardians come home today, and they pounded the Orioles 5-1. The Orioles are another team that are right next to the Guardians in terms of record. Yeah. Like you said, this is, these are all the teams that you know are fighting for wild cards pretty much Yep. Uh, in both the AL and the NL, and we Quick. have the— luxury of not having to do that because we have a bad division and we can actually win the division quick update on the twinks and the white Sox. uh twins are trailing the red Sox four to three in the fifth inning at home and the white Sox are getting blanked by the royales four nothing at home in the fifth inning that's a new update for the twins because actually when i looked at the start of the show they were actually winning three to one but yeah the red sox put up a three spot in the top of the fifth inning so yeah. they are leading now twins are hot man twins have won four in a row they're creeping up they're only you know the white Sox are almost to the point where you know we're starting to to throw dirt on their grave the twins got off to an awful start to the week where they got swept by houston in houston but since then, they have turned it around hugely. They swept the Giants at home and then mm-hmm. won the first game of the series against the Red Sox, and they're yeah. actually going for their fifth straight win tonight. Uh, but as you alluded to, the White Sox, they have not been good at all over the last week. Nope. And, yeah, they're losing 4 nothing to the Royals at home, which is awful. And the series before that, they were at home against the Diamondbacks, and they got swept. Right. And before that, they played the Orioles, and they lost 2-3. or three. <laughs> so they are going the wrong way and the wrong way fast. They are five games behind coming into tonight, and if they lose this game, they're going to be five and a half down, which with only a month to play, that doesn't leave a lot of time for you to uh, make up ground, particularly when you've lost six of seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Guardians did their job tonight. They're hoping for some help from the – excuse me. They're hoping for some help from the Red Sox. Uh, in Minnesota tonight, and right now they are getting it. Let's see if the Red Sox can hang on. This was a very interesting development because I did not see the White Sox fading like this, particularly with the teams that they were playing over the last week. Yeah, and well, they've just not Diamondbacks, not that great. Royals, they're terrible, and the they're Royals. Just, they're making a you know total we get to play. You know we here. get to play those guys six straight times in the season. That is massive. Massive. That is absolutely huge. Because yeah. you're talking about a team that that's I why. Know, I know all these players are professionals, and I know some of the guys that are getting called up in September on teams that you know, are not in contention, they're playing for jobs next year, and they've got motivation, obviously. Yeah. But when you're not in contention, you you just don't have the motivation and the drive that you do when you're when you're going for the playoffs. Yeah. Particularly when you're playing on the road. like It's a good situation for the Guardians to be in at the end of the season. And we said this a couple weeks ago. If they get through this stretch where they're playing against a bunch of teams that are record-wise close to them, and if they at the very least don't give up any ground, yeah, they're in good shape. And that's what they did in the last week. They went four and three. You know, it's you do that, it's going to force another team to really, really go on a tear. And I know Minnesota's going for their fifth straight win tonight, but you're still two games up on them right now. 
and the White Sox have totally faded. I mean, it, it's now looking like a two-team race as opposed to a three-team race. Yeah, and that's good. I wouldn't I wouldn't count the White Sox out just yet. I mean, like you said, they this stretch uh, the thought was they should be able to pile up wins. They're not doing it, but Mm-mm. we'll see what happens. So uh, this is a really important stretch. I mean, we talked about uh, facing uh, the Mariners this past week. They're coming right back to uh, Progressive Field uh, this week, right after we play the Orioles. So this is not an easy week for the Guardians. They Orioles managed, and Mariners. They managed to find an open date for that White Sox game that got rained out on Saturday, Interesting. Sunday, by the way. September 15th ah. at one ten. The The White Sox are at home, and they're actually making a quick stopover in Cleveland before they have a three-game series against the Tigers. So that was actually mighty convenient for – MLB that they were able to swing that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they looked at the schedule before they decided to actually call that game, but uh yeah, probably. Yeah. So uh yeah, so good to be able to make that game up and they'll be able to get in the full 162. So um yeah, go guards. Looking forward to this week. Uh there's a chance I may be going down to the ballpark on Thursday with my dad and my brother. Uh oh, so good. that'll be that'll be fun. Um and uh yeah. Go guards, the Gardos. What do we like better, Gardos or Guardies? Gardos. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Let's go, Gardo. Every time, I, every time I check into it to a Guardian score, if I can't watch the game and they're winning, I always from the show account just in all caps just tweet Gardos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm such a weirdo. There you go. But anyway. All right, so that was the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, looking forward to hopefully a good week this week that we can report on on next week's show. But we have two more things to get to get uh, to cover tonight, and I say this by saying neither of them really uh, involve the Cleveland Browns. Basically, I'm sick and tired of talking about Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't I don't want to talk about him. I know we're playing him week one, but. I just don't want to talk about him anymore. Just just, just win, beat them, and we don't have to talk about him again. We don't so, have to talk about him ever again after week one, pretty much. Although I will say, I will be rooting hard for him, and I there are, there are Browns fans out here that just don't understand this concept. I will be rooting hard for Baker Mayfield in three games this year. Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Ravens. And yeah. good morning, good, good afternoon, afternoon, and, and good, good night, night, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. So it, and if and if and it, I get it, you know, people have a sour taste in their mouths from Baker and the way that his tenure here soured. But you you better be rooting for him in those three games. Anyway. Right. Uh, and all this with with uh, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network with this quote that she got from Baker that was off the record or was it on the record and then she ran with it on a podcast saying. You know, Baker responding to a comment from her at Panthers practice saying that I'm going to F them up, referring to the Cleveland Browns in week one. Who effing cares? Like, no crap he wants to beat our ass. Who who cares? I would if I was in this position. And we want to beat his ass. Right. So that's all there is to it. Just win. That's all I care about. Yeah, my, uh, Mary Kay Cabot getting a quote from Miles Garrett, like, yeah, we'll use we'll use the quote. We'll have it motivate us. Just stop. Just win the damn game and just get over it and get on. And then just be, we're on to the Jets. 
Like, like that's some tall task. But anyway, it's beside the point. Um, so yeah, we're not going to talk Browns. Uh, they did their first, their fifty-three. They got down to fifty-three men on their roster today. I don't really feel like going through their fifty-three man roster. That's not the type of podcast we are. We'll do in-depth Browns post-game shows like we do every season. Um, so we're not going to do that. And the game is not this week, so there's a week in between. So it's really like a bye week. Deshaun Watson's suspension started today. He left the facility this afternoon, and he can't come back into the facility until October 10th. So he's, uh, you know, he's better heard, not seen, I guess is the phrase. I don't know. I don't know Why what phrase October that is. 10th? Uh, so he's allowed back into the facility October 10th. He's essentially banished for six weeks. He can't have any contact with the team, can't be in the facility, can't go to games, anything like that. So that's a six-week period. October 10th, he can rejoin the facility. He still cannot practice with the team. But he can be in meetings. He can reacclimate himself to the team. Uh, still can't still can't play in games, obviously. Can't practice. Can't, I don't think he can be at games at that point. And so then it's, it's a soft transition, in other words, to, yeah. until his suspension. And then I think it's November 14th he can begin practicing again, okay, which, which is be- three weeks before – uh, he returns first game on Houston. December 4th in Houston. Yeah, okay. so that's the timeline of events for Deshaun Watson. At least it's not like he's completely banished for 11 weeks and it's like, oh, yeah. So no, you have, they, a, you have yeah. a couple days to prepare yeah. for your first game. Yeah, right. no, no, it's not that. It's not that. So, anyway, um, so that's that's that. Browns do their 53-man roster, yada, yada, yada. We will get in-depth next week for sure. Uh, may or may not have a guest for next week's episode. I don't know yet, but – we move on. Uh, what do you want to cover first? Do we want to do the grades or do well, we want to do the – you mentioned Deshaun Watson. He's actually on the first team that I was going to mention in okay. our fantasy so, league, which this is a brand-new segment, ladies and gentlemen. Brand-new segment. Uh, this is this is the start. So every, every segment after this week will be different, but because there are no games this week and we had our fantasy football draft – uh, we are going to go through, and Steven is going to give his grades. Now, usually Steve does this in a um, discussion chat on our league page and does this, but we're going to do this on the air uh, today, and it is our Deerfield Gridiron Fantasy Football League uh, draft grades. This is a fantasy football league we've done for, what, 15 years now, 16? This will be our 17th season. 17th. We started in wow. 2006, and in fact, we— In college. First— Seven years we were on Yahoo, and then we moved to ESPN in 2013. Thank God. And we have the entire history, more or less, uh, um, for all teams since then, which is really cool. So, yeah, so this is a fantasy football league that uh, I, obviously I really couldn't cover with our former co-hosts because they weren't in the league. They weren't in the league. But Steve, this is this is a, this is a uh, fantasy football league that Steve and I have been a part of. It's with our brothers, uh, with our dads, although your dad's not doing it this year. Um, and a bunch of friends from high school, basically. It's basically, you know, our our neighborhood, for lack of a better word, uh, local neighborhood clique or whatever yeah. that we're doing this with. So well, it's about half charter members <coughs> of the from the original league, and the other half people who joined over the years. So it's a yeah. good mix. Um, Casey Cherwin, the two-time defending champion. He's only the second person to ever repeat after Brendan Skaronsky. That still hurts. Who's no longer Thanks for that, Steve. I 
would be the only reason why not to start with him. The only reason why he won the damn championship last year is because Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski didn't, didn't run, run the, the damn football. ball. <laughs> yeah. I I had Nick Chubb who needed five points to win me the league, and he got me three against uh, the Steelers the second last week of the season. It was that close too. Yeah, that was a Monday night. Like it was like down to the buzzer pretty much. That's not the closest championship I've ever lost. I was also the runner-up in a year where I lost to my brother by one point in the championship game. 2009. <sighs> I remember that because your brother took me out in the semifinals. I was the number one seed. But I'm not bitter. Do I sound bitter? I'm a little bitter about that one, too, <laughs> so be that as it may. Uh, well, anyway, let's get into the grades. So, again, starting, <laughs> starting with Casey, and I'm starting with him because, well, he's the defending champion. And I wanted to start with a team that I just see as kind of meh, pretty much. Ooh. And the reason Did you hear is, that, Casey? Meh. He's, he's pretty much good except at quarterback. Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson are his quarterbacks. I'm not impressed. Well, he's going he's gonna to have to make a move. When's Kirk Cousins' bye week? Uh, that's. I don't know which week. If it's before week 11, he's going to have to make a move. Yeah, well, I guess that's on him. Uh, The rest of his team is pretty solid. Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones are his starting running backs. Taylor McLaurin. Two running backs that don't catch the football out of the backfield. Actually, Aaron Jones does. And uh, Michael Thomas are his starting receivers. He also also has Travis Etienne um, as his third running back. He's a rookie. I don't know what to really expect out of most rookies. But – you know, running back is the one position where I feel like you might get away with picking a rookie more so than any other position. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I gave his running backs an A-. minus. I gave his wideouts a B. Tight end is Dallas Goddard. I gave that a B plus. And defense was the Browns. I gave that a B plus also. Overall, I give Casey an 85. I, if, he had a, if, 85. He had an, if he had an elite quarterback, that team would really do some damage. But, I, again – Good quarterback's not the most important position in fantasy, but I don't see how you read can me his with that. read me his receivers again. Uh, Taylor McLaurin, Amron Ross, St. Brown, and Michael Thomas are his top three. Oof. I might have been a little charitable giving him a B. Actually, now that I think about it, I mean Michael Thomas was great, but he was great three four years ago. Yeah, injuries have really kind of derailed him yeah, the last couple we'll of years. See. I move on to myself next. Ooh, so a little self grading. Yeah, it's it's always weird when you're grading. Here, yourself, actually, but... you know what? Hold on. Yeah, what do you think here? So, uh, let me fire up the old ESPN fantasy app. I think for well, you're gonna you're gonna give me my grades anyway, but Let's... I think for this discussion, I think I should give you your what I give you as a grade. Okay. Well, let me give you an example first of a team that I think is really good. Okay. While you're doing that, you don't have and to talk is, about my team is... right now. Actually, yours is one of those teams. You're not, but you're I'm, not the one I'm going to talk about right now. I'm going yeah. to talk about Billy. Ah, and Billy William. Start, Billy starts off with his team name is great, by the way. Country roads take Mahomes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback, A plus. Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs are his starting running backs. That's pretty solid. He doesn't have a lot of depth position, though. Rashad Penny is his third, which I think is kind of weak. So I gave him B-plus there. Wideouts, CeeDee Lamb, Gabriel Davis, 
he's got T. Higgins as well. So mm-hmm. he's he's also got Robert Woods and Cordell Patterson on his bench. So he's he's got some decent depth there. I gave that an A minus. Mm-hmm. T- tight end Zach Ertz, I gave that a B plus. And defense, he has New England, which that seems boomer bust to me. I didn't really know how to rate them, so I, I went with B. But you know they got the hoodie coaching them, so I mean they could have some games where they pile up a bunch of turnovers and help you out and win a game almost on their own. So yeah. Um, I gave Billy an 89. I think that's a really solid team. Interesting. Quite frankly. Okay. Very nice. All right. Should I do your team? Yep. All right. Here we go. The Yaounde. I said that right, right? The Yaounde Lions. Yaounde Lions. Because I couldn't fit Indomitable in there. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, your team, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to label right off the bat. I think is boomer bust. Okay. I think I wouldn't it, disagree with that. I think if things break your way health wise, you could have a really good team. The my worry is health of your team. Okay. Uh, first off, quarterback. I love Matt Stafford, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rate you highly there. The only issue is I've I've been hearing that he's been battling an elbow injury all preseason. Uh, I heard that too. They say he's questionable for Week One against Buffalo. But he's going to play. Yeah, right. Uh, Alvin Kamara, assuming he doesn't get suspended. And like you said, you know, you did your research. Um, It's looking like that's probably going to get pushed to next year if it it happens. It's a bit of a risk, (coughs) but he's getting taken average ninth in all ESPN leagues. It seems like there's – I mean, could it happen? Maybe. I mean, I hope it's not like week 12 or 13 that that news comes down. I mean, that would suck. Uh, Kamara is – I mean, he's – if he's on the field, he's pretty much a given. Uh, your other running back, Miles Sanders. I love Miles Sanders. The only thing with him is is health. He's always he's he's missed a good portion of time every year he's been in the league. I should know. I pretty much take him every year in my fantasy leagues. Um, so he's another injury guy. Uh, I love DJ Moore, wide receiver. DK Metcalf. You would think would be. A really, really good wide receiver too. Doesn't have a good quarterback. He's got he's got Geno Smith and Drew Locke throwing him the football. So I mean that's why he was on the board of round four. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh Travis as long as Travis Kelsey and Patrick Holmes are together, Travis Kelsey is going to be a big time player, so that's good. My like brother that. was extremely upset that I picked him in round two right before him. Yeah. Shout out. It'll be interesting to see how uh Kansas City models their offense around Kelsey now that uh Tyreek Hill is gone so um there's going to be more guys towards the line of scrimmage against Kansas City so does that take away a lot of the soft zone that Travis Kelsey likes to operate in we'll see I'm sure he's still going to be productive um your flex is a guy that I wanted that you took in front of me that I was pissed Elijah Mitchell from San Francisco Mm. San Francisco is one of those teams where you think Elijah Mitchell who the hell is that in San Francisco, it doesn't matter who's running the football. They're going to be successful. That offensive line does a really good job. Really good job, and Kyle Shanahan runs the best uh, running scheme in the NFL. So uh, I like that pick a lot. Again, assuming health. I don't know I don't know much about him, but I'm just going to use that caveat. Um, Steelers defense, eh. I mean, they're good. I just want to say eh because Steelers defense. <laughs> that was my grade as well. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt Prater is a kicker, um, you know, always solid. So 
Let's see. I'm gonna give your quarterback. I mean, you got some. You got you got Derek Carr on the bench, so that's not a bad option on your bench. And then I see you got that guy Baker Mayfield too at the bottom there. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and give your quarterbacks a B plus. Uh, I'm gonna give your running backs a B plus. Uh, I will give your receivers a B. Uh, defense and kicker, I'll also give a uh, B, B plus, B B plus, something like that. So, okay. I'm gonna give your team. What about tight end? Oh, tight end. Uh, that's that's an A minus. Okay. So I'm gonna go 86. Okay. I would go higher to like 87 or 88. I'm just, I do think you have some injury concerns on your roster. Your letter grades are almost identical to mine. Yeah. Actually, I had 87 overall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If if I was confident that Miles Sanders wasn't going to miss a, uh, I won't say a good chunk. I'll say a chunk. Oh, I, and I might. I would have given your running backs an A. And I'm not. And in fact, that wasn't the guy I wanted to draft in round six. Um, your dad drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire like right before me. So yeah. that was the one round where I actually scrambled and used the entire clock to make yeah. the pick. So. All right. Yeah. But anyway. Well, we've done two teams in five minutes. So three. extrapolate three. Oh, okay, three. So, okay. Well, let's strap it. First of all, let's talk about a team that I didn't like. Okay. And that is Matt Steigerwald's team. Ooh. Bless and Ooh. full disclosure, right. he right. has a great quarterback. He's got Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. That That's an A. I Wait, Period. hold on. I face Matt, I think, week one. So, yeah, I need a scouting report. You do. Um, his running backs, he's got Joe Mixon. He's got Cam Akers. Cam Akers yeah. missed most of last season. So, I'm not yeah. really sure what to expect out of him, but. He's another guy, uh, boomer bust with the expectation. health. Yeah, we'll see about that. He's got Kareem Hunt. That's his third running back. I'm I'm not very high on Kareem Hunt, sadly, but uh, some people are more optimistic than I am. I know he's a better pass catcher than, than Nick Chubb is. Um, his receivers, he's, I mean, Dalton. Well, no, excuse me, that's, that's tight end. Uh, Debo Samuel is his top wide out. Drake London is his number two. That's a that's a rookie. Um, after that, you've got Garrett Wilson, who's also a rookie. I think that's very risky. I think. See, this is a textbook example of a. That's team a that, that's a Buckeye homer pick right there. This is yeah, it is. But this is the textbook example of why I don't go quarterback early because I feel like if you go quarterback early, yeah, you may hit on a guy like you know Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. It's really impressive that Billy was able to get Patrick Mahomes and do as well as he did the, down the rest of the roster. Yeah, Matt wasn't able to do that. He has two rookie receivers starting. His tight ends are not too bad. He's got, uh, I mean, he's got Dalton Schultz, who is who is decent for the Cowboys. He's got Jared Cook also on the bench for Buffalo, but uh, defense is Cincinnati. I'm not, I'm not as high on the Bengals D as some are. Um, they played well in the playoffs, but. This isn't a playoff league. This team just it just doesn't work for me really. I mean, I guess if Cam Akers turns out to be a stud, then he could get a lot out and just ride quarterback running back, but his receivers leave a lot to be desired. So I only gave him an eighty two overall. Ooh, which wow. was which was He's not gonna like that. Tied for the lowest in the league. Wow. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. I just think in a PPR league, starting two rookies at receivers just I mean it's a, risky, it's a risky strategy, Cotton. Wait, he's not he's not starting two rookies at receiver. Well, he he lists his third receiver is is Wilson. So 
He's got oh. he's got a running back in his flex spot. So well, he's got Debo Samuel and Derek, uh, Drake London. Right, those are his two starters. Yeah. And Drake London's a rookie. Yeah, so. yeah, he is. Anyway, uh, let me talk about your team. Hey, your team is better. Your team is very Ooh, good. I like to hear that. Dak Prescott is quarterback, which I like a lot. That's I think I, I think I've taken Dak Prescott like the last three that, years. That's an A minus. I I think he is just like just a tiny step below the Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's of the world. Running back, Devin Singletary, Antonio Gibson. I like that a lot. Antonio Gibson's now going to get a lot more work now that unfortunate events have happened in the running back room in Washington over the last couple, uh, last 24 hours. He's another guy, though, got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. Which, I, I mean, you know, looking back on it, I said, I said about your running backs, you know, it, it, you could say that about almost any running back in the league. I mean, running backs get hurt in the NFL. That's what yeah, happens. you got to have depth. Yeah. Period. Agreed. I mean, it's, you know, if you, that's the other thing. With running back in particular, if I only saw like two starting quality guys, I downgraded the the team a little bit just for that reason. Because okay. You, you, again, you can't count on having just two main starters and getting them all through the season. Right. You lose one, you're in big trouble. If you lose them both, well, you're just done. Yeah. So. All right. Let's um, get let's get yeah, to it. Kyle Pitts is your tight end that's pretty solid i um, i think i think he has potential to be one of the best tight ends in the nfl this weirdly year. he didn't score touchdowns last year but he had over a thousand yards receiving yeah which is he's awesome. like he's like he has like megatron's body and he's going to be going yeah. up against safeties and linebackers and then here's the main event Here, here's here's the meat. let's go the receivers jamar chase tyreek hill Jerry Judy, who, if you haven't heard of, he's from Denver, but he, now he has Russell Wilson throwing him the ball, so he's expected mm-hmm. to be much better. Chris Godwin mm-hmm. and DeAndre Hopkins. Hello! Hey-haw! Are you kidding yeah. me? Let's go. That might be the best receiving core I have ever seen <clears throat> in the history of our league. Hey, uh, if you got if you got really good running backs and you need a receiver, hit me up. <sighs> Boy. I mean, because honestly, if I keep all these receivers all year, by week six, I'm going to have to bench guys like Chris Godwin, Jerry Judy, uh, and or like Tyreek Hill. Tell you what, if I have any receivers go down, I'm looking to make a trade. That is mm. that is so strong. Hey, now. I gave your t- – uh, and then the defense – well, the defense was the Chargers D, which I didn't really like that much but yeah you've i also you've also got really justin either. tucker at kicker which is great Hey-o. so i upgraded the defensive yeah. kicker rating for that uh, just a little bit i gave you an 89 overall Let's which go. was second high tied second highest in the league surprisingly because the team i actually had above you and billy hmm. was your dad really yeah which is really bizarre I and, I gotta and look ESPN, at, espn doesn't rate him at that high but I just really, really like your dad's team, quite frankly. Let me see. Let me see here. He he just uh, doesn't have an apparent weakness to me. Uh, Justin Herbert at quarterback, I think that's great. That's an A minus to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Melvin Gordon, your starting running backs. I think mm. that's not great, Melvin, yeah. but I think it's good enough. I think Gordon will probably do better now that Denver has a serviceable quarterback. So defense won't be keying in uh, on quite as much. Those are also his only two uh, running backs on his roster. Yeah, I only gave wait a minute. Where is he? I only gave him a B minus actually for running backs. Yeah, that, that was the weakest point of his team by if far. If that were me, I would go. I would go into the C's for that. Devontae Adams, 
is his top rideout. Michael yeah. Pittman, he yep. also has. Amari Cooper, he also has. Mm-hmm. I think that's those are that, very yeah, solid. That's pretty good. And he's got Chris Olave. Chris Olave on, on the bench. bench. Yeah. So, and, and, and Jarvis and, Landry. So he's got lots of options yeah. at receiver. And, you know, you would say that this guy is now glue factory, but he's going to be playing down there with Tom Brady. Julio Jones he has on his roster, too. All the way at the end of the bench. He picked him in the last round. He was yeah. there. Well, I mean, everybody thinks Jerry. Uh, everybody thinks Julio Jones is on his last leg. Oh, but, yeah. again, Tom Brady and Chris Godwin could be out the first few weeks still recovering from that ACL. I mean, God, who knows when he'll actually be back up to speed, but he doesn't need to be up to speed in week one with the yeah. other guys he's got. And then on top of that, he's got Mark Andrews at tight end. Yeah. He's one of the top tight ends out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it. He's there with you for tight end, best tight end in the league. And on top of that, he's got the Bills defense, which is mm-hmm. like one of the best defenses in the league. Yep. So, again, you know, it's like – if I were him, I'd be trying to do anything possible to get a third starting running back on the roster. And if he does, I don't see how he doesn't make a run of the title. I don't, know, I don't know who he uh, – I don't know who he – really unless uh, – He I don't. doesn't really have the capital, you wouldn't think. But, I mean, somehow I remember one year Peter managed to nab Michael Vick and Peyton Hillis by a trade <laughs> in one year, and he, he ended up winning a title that year. So Interesting. It's not always in the drafting, you know. Sometimes people can be really savvy in the free agent and, and trade market, but uh, yeah. And sometimes you got to be because injuries are just a thing. Yeah. But I had your dad rated as a ninety, the the highest overall. Wow. I'll see if that holds true. It is, it is a good team. One other team that I think could really be a top contender is your older brother Anthony. Well, oldest. I don't brother, have an older brother. I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Older the two younger brothers, I should say. Ah. The hot snakes, he calls them. <laughs> and he's got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. That's an A. Yeah. He's got good running backs. He's got DeAndre Swift, Zeke Elliott, and uh, AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon as Who's the short yardage back in Green Bay. So he's he's good for a vultured touchdown. He had five touchdowns a season ago. That's you know, yeah. nothing to sneeze at. So he's he's very strong at at quarterback and running back. His, and his, his receivers, receivers are, are also good. great. Justin Jefferson, yeah. I, Mike Williams. Listen, I I know I know my dad's listening to this, and I'm sure Anthony's listening to this too. No disrespect, Dad. I, I have Anthony's team rated higher than yours. Even Devontae Smith, who was almost a thousand yard receiver a year ago. I yeah. mean Troy Hawkinson, who I think was a little bit of a disappointment a year ago, but T J you know, Hawkinson. T J yeah. Hawkinson, my bad. Yeah. Um for the Lions, I mean, are the Lions good? No, but is he a focal point of their offense? Yes. So he, he could have a decent season. Yeah. Um, really. Yeah, I like Anthony's team. And in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay defense had 47 sacks and t- forced 29 turnovers a year ago. I mean, that that's that's a pretty good unit too. So Anthony, I rated his team in 88. I downgraded him a little bit for running backs and tight end just to, because of lack of depth at running back. But I, he's he's right up there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. I guess I'll point out the other team that I didn't really care for, and that's Jason Sunkel's team, the Teenage ah, Ninja Turtles. Slam Sunk. Um, I t- rated him alongside Steigerwald as, as worst, oh, quote-unquote. Um, I just don't see a lot of elite talent in this roster, other than Stefan Diggs and George Kittle, who are both excellent. Um, Kyler Murray, quarterback, that's just eh. To me. Kyler's going to be good to start the year, and then he's going to fade like he always does. Uh, that's pretty much the way the Cardinals do it. 
But uh, they look like the best team in the league. Listen, the first two years. I will say this: if that holds true, I wouldn't be shocked to see Casey or Casey Jason uh, around like week eight or nine uh, bench Kyler Murray and look who he's got on his bench. He's got Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I sort of overlooked that to be honest. Um, I did make a point of looking at the backup quarterbacks, but somehow I I kind of missed that one. But yeah, that's that that would give him a higher grade. I gave him a B originally. That probably pushes him up to B plus or even A minus. Actually, the fact he's got Brady. But be that as it may, his running backs and wideouts are not very good. Uh, Other than yeah, Stephon Diggs, Najee Harris is decent. We'll uh, see. I'm still yards. not sold on Najee Harris but behind that Steelers offensive line. Brees Hall, rookie. Yeah. Eh. Not liking that. And then he doesn't have much of any depth at running back either. No, James Robinson, who, like you mentioned earlier with, with another team, Travis Etienne, is going to get uh, a lot of that uh, workload. Marquise Brown. And, and he drafted the Washington running back that got shot in the leg. I mean, that was really unlucky. I mean, that news <laughs> came out just hours before the draft. Right, like, right, you would have right, had right. to be really up on it to even know that. Right. But, like, Marquise Brown. I'm not really too high on him. I mean, he no. was a thousand yard receiver. Barely. No, I mean the the only the only upside with him is he went to Arizona and he's playing with Kyler Murray, who he played with in college, so they have that chemistry. But I just Christian don't see Kirk him. Christian Kirk is decent, but now he's playing in Jacksonville, <laughs> so I I'm I'm not super high on him. Yeah. I don't really like the Philly defense either. You know, so and he's got former uh, Browns kicker Greg Joseph as his kicker. Yeah, I'm not liking that either. So, yeah, just outside of a couple guys, I, I just I don't like that team, and the lack of running back depth also scares me. So, yeah, I don't yeah. think Jason did very well here. I only rated him an 82. So, if you look at the other teams, uh, there's there's only a few we haven't mentioned yet. Um, I rated Doug's team overall an 84. Both of our youngest brothers. Yeah, I, I'll take a minute to look at it. Peter's team I rated an 86. Um, yeah, so our younger brother, I guess I'll go over those teams a little bit more in depth here. Uh, Mike's team, the main problem with his team is quarterback. Jalen Hurts and uh, – Jalen Hurts was a starter, and where the heck is his backup? Did he even, did he even have a backup on the roster? Yeah, he is Tua. Tua Tagovailoa, yeah. Not really – I mean, Jalen Hurts – The only know, thing with Jalen Hurts he is – make a lot is, of errors, but he's not like a – Game breaker type. Well, so I mean, the only you know he's he's like not a great for fantasy. He's like really. a Lamar Jackson light. He's going to get you as a quarterback. He's going to get you a lot of rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. So that's where his inherent value is. Which can't which which some weeks could be really good. I mean, he you know Jalen Hurts is a boomer bust guy. I mean, Jalen Hurts could have a week where he rushes for eighty yards and a touchdown. It's it's you possible. Know? Yeah. Yeah. But he could also have a week where he throws three interceptions. It's hard to win in a week like that where your quarterback is hurting you that much. Yeah. But, but um, I think his, his running backs are really solid. The running backs are very good. I mean, he's got Jonathan Taylor, who's like the top running back yeah. in the league. Like Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jamal Williams, who's going to get the lion's share of the carries. Uh, or is it? It's Javante Williams. Sorry, Jamal yeah. Williams in Detroit. Javante Williams is going to get the lion's share of the carries in Denver. And then he's got uh, – he's coming off of an ACL tear, but he's got J.K. Dobbins on his bench. Yeah. I wish so not I bad mean, there. I did, yeah, I was very happy with his running backs. I gave him an A minus there, yeah. and his receivers, receivers I gave an A actually. Really? Yeah, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, Hunter Renfro. Those are all. Who's throwing Brandon out. Cooks the football? I don't know. Brandon Cooks just produces wherever he goes. I mean, I'll get 
I'll give you Keenan Allen for sure. I mean, Keenan Allen's a great player, and he's got Justin Herbert throwing him the ball. Even Hunter Renfro had over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. Hunter Renfro's a, a sneaky good. He's a sneaky yeah. good. He's, he's like got, a. Uh, and he's got Tyler Lockett too. I mean, even though it's the same problem, you know, who's throwing him the football? Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, okay. Tyler Lockett had le- twelve hundred yards and eight touchdowns a year. I ago. see it. Hunter Renfro is like for me is like a uh, is like a uh, uh, Aldi brand uh, Cooper Cup. <laughs> <laughs> which Michael, which Michael, Michael enjoy that reference because he loves Aldi. So well, that's probably go. what he was thinking. And the New Orleans defense, you know, they had 46 sacks a season ago and lot of, 25 turnovers. A lot of sacks. You know, they, they have always been that boomer bust defense where they could give up 40 points in a game and look horrible. Yeah. But then, like, with they could win a game with with turnovers, like defensive scores the next week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I gave Mike's team an 87. I had him just below the elite teams, mostly because of quarterback. If he had an elite quarterback, he'd be Mike is not all elite there. And then there's Matthew, who I also rate an 87 overall. Uh, His team, he's got Russell Wilson playing QB, which that's very solid. That's good. His running backs, he's got Austin Eckler, Leonard Fournette, and David Montgomery. So he's got really pretty good. He's got good running backs. He's got no issues there. Uh, And then if you look at receivers, receivers, he's he's a little bit weak. He's got Mike Evans at wide receiver one, but then uh, Cortland Sutton is his number two. Will the Russell Wilson effect help there? Maybe it does. Uh, And on his bench, he's got Darnell Mooney for for Chicago, who's never been known for a passing offense. And who's throwing him the ball? Uh, Well, they have Uh, Justin Fields, but Justin Fields is going to have to take a major leap in year two. Yeah, he's got – yeah, it, not only does he not have a lot of talent at the receiver, he doesn't have much depth. I also automatically knock Matthew's team down a peg because his tight end is from Pittsburgh. Oh, Pat Fryermuth. This is all. By the way, I I, I understand. I'm being gave him a, a B I understand. I'm being hypocritical by docking these teams for taking Steelers because <laughs> I have I have Justin Tucker as my kicker, but it's Justin freaking Tucker. Okay, best kicker ever. Yeah. I, okay. Other than Adam Vinatieri, maybe. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Adam Vinatieri is definitely uh, more clutch, like in the playoffs. But, but yeah, Justin. I mean, Justin Tucker just doesn't miss. Of course, I say this, and he's going to have his worst year of his life. Or I or, wouldn't mind that if it costs or, the Ravens. Some or somebody's going to block his kick and stub his toe, and he's going to be out for like eight weeks with turf toe, something stupid like that. Not that would that, happen to me. Not that I ever endorse injuries, but you know, if he's missing kicks and the Ravens are losing games as a result, I would love hey, that. Would absolutely love it. Uh, Matthew also has the Green Bay D, which I also am not a, a real fan of. And the Packers. So, yeah, looking back on this, maybe I rated his team a little bit too high at 87. But, again, I gave him A's for quarterback and running back. So. He's, yeah, he's got he's got quarterback, he's got running back, and his wide receivers are solid. So, so well, yeah. His it's top a, wide receiver is great. It's a solid team. I mean, yeah, he's got Mike Evans. Cortland Sutton's going to have a good year. Um, he might be the key guy, actually. If he turns out to be elite, then then maybe Matthew's good. Yeah, but we'll just have to see. I, I'm just a little bit pumped the brakes on the Broncos' offense until I see it, yeah. really. But we'll see. So that's the lay of the land. I I have Billy, Dan, and Rich as the best teams. I have uh, Jason and Steigerwald, and Doug is the worst. So just I didn't even really talk about Doug's team, but. Uh, just very briefly, he has Lamar Jackson playing quarterback. Boo. He's got Christian McCaffrey as his top running back. That's injury <sighs> central as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, I mean, it, so. if there's, if there's, he's got to have a miracle and have Christian McCaffrey stay healthy. 
And his top right receivers, I wasn't too impressed with Jalen Waddle and AJ Brown. I mean, they're okay, but they're not elite. And yeah, Cole, and again, Cole Komet, like that's a starting tight end. Like, nah. yeah, I mean, Cole Komet could end up being Justin Fields' best friend in uh, in Chicago. I mean, in the NFL, young quarterbacks they look to first their safety blanket as the tight end. So, Cole Komet could could be a could be a nice uh, you know uh, a nice uh, surprise. I mean, it's not all negative. He's got Matt Ryan as his backup quarterback. That's pretty good. He's got Adam Thielen as his flex. That's pretty good. He's got the San Francisco defense, which that's very solid. That's very good. So it's it's not all bad, but, like, I don't consider that an elite team, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know who you know who, uh, you know who Doug would love to have on his team would be uh, Jason Tatum. Oh. <laughs> you remember that from the 4th of July party? <laughs> Me and him were going at it about Jason Tatum. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> wow. If you if, if you if you if you uh, listen to this, Mr. Bride, uh, that was for you. Oh man! Just briefly to touch on Peter's team because I didn't really mention him either. He's got Joe Burrow at quarterback, so I I downgraded him probably more than a lot of people would just because of that. Because I some people are saying Burrow's a top five quarterback in the league. I'm just not buying. So. He's got Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. He had a hell of a run last year. Listen, I'm not one to pump up uh, our rivals' players. In fact, I hate doing that. Um, But, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he has another year this year like he did last year, I don't think there's any denying him. So we'll see. This is a team that I think somebody else probably could have rated a lot higher, honestly. Not just Joe Burrow. Yeah, but Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. On paper, that sounds great, but, like, Chubb doesn't catch the ball. The Nick Chubb field. is just not a let, let, take Mark. it from me, who having Nick Chubb cost me a league championship last year. Nick Chubb, is there a bigger, a better example of elite real life football, not elite fantasy football? Uh, that's very like, very great. Like to those describe. two things shouldn't equate, but they do in his case. Yeah. Because he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield. Especially in points per reception league like we have. Yeah, he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield. And the Browns have probably the only backfield in the NFL where you have two elite running backs. I know you're not as high on Kareem Hunt. I don't know, maybe in real life you are and not in fantasy, but Kareem Hunt's led the league in rushing in his career. Yeah, my career, my concern with Hunt is more just how many touches is he going to get in a typical game. I mean, yeah, so it's fa- it's a fantasy issue. Yeah, with you. yeah. Um, Saquon Barkley, running back. Saquon Barkley's in- injuries. Very injury prone. I, yeah, that that makes me worried. His receivers are legitimately very good, though. He's got Cooper Cup, yep. who's amazing. Yep. He's, he's took got, him right in front of me in the first round. He's uh, yeah. He's got Deontay Johnson. He's got Allen Robinson as well. I mean, that's. That's about as solid. He also took him right in front of me. He's I was also, pissed about he's that. He also stacked Tyler Boyd on the bench, so like he's he's got depth too. Yeah, uh, I rated that unit as an A actually. Uh, Darren Waller's his tight end. That's pretty. That's pretty decent. Uh, he's got the Baltimore defense, which I mean they didn't really force a lot of turnovers a year ago, but they don't seem to give up a lot of points usually. So, yep. You know he should be fine on that, and maybe the turnover thing will will, you know, be cyclical and they'll force a whole bunch of turnovers this year who knows but uh yeah i just i could see it i could see peter's team like if if barkley stays healthy and burrow continues to play like he did in the playoffs a year ago peter's team could could contend all the way but 
All right, so b- too many questions. before we end this segment, we did the grades. Looking at the grades, looking at the rosters, who wins our fantasy football league this year? I think you do. Hell yeah. Let's th- go. The it, trophy. At, at, the, end of, at hey. the end of the day, points per reception league. Shine that effing trophy up real nice, Casey. Wrap it in bubble wrap and send it from Brunswick to Parma Heights. Let's go. My main problem is, is that it seems like every year I have good quarterback, good running back, good tight end, and I my receivers are the weakest point of my team. It Receivers are your blind is, spot. That is the case again, it seems. So yeah. I'm probably just going to be a middle-of-the-pack team like I usually am. And you've got these just eye-popping receivers all over the place. I just don't – unless you have a rash of injuries, I, I, I think you are the hey, best how dare you. contender. Knock on wood for that, please. Thank you. Okay. Thought you weren't going to do that for a second. Good Lord. I was thinking not because, I mean, it's not my team. I know. It is competitive. <laughs> I say that we are playing for money. So. <laughs> oh, um, right. I got to get you that Venmo, don't I? Oh, yeah, you do. Yes, you sir. and your brother. No, your brother paid. Wait, did he? Oh, my God. Know. Matthew paid before I did? What? Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I can't remember. I'd have to look at my That's venue. That's got to be fake there, news. There's like, there's like four people who still haven't, so. Fake uh, news. We'll Believe <laughs> me. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, Orangey. Anyway. Uh, all right, so let's end the episode. We're already in the hour mark, so let's uh, let's do it with uh, – let's do this 24 game. So explain this real quick, what we're doing. You thought the 24 game was done, and it was done for pro football, but this weekend is the beginning of the college football season. Let's say for sake of argument that, we, you know, this will be kind of like what we did with our European Super League and European soccer. We picked the top 24 teams in Europe and basically put them in a Champions League-style competition. And we're going to do the same thing with NCAA football. We're going to take the top 24 programs in the nation. And put them in a league. And we're going to do it on basis of who has been the best teams of recent, who's who's won national championships over the years. This is basically just doing like our own college football playoff bracket. And, you know, there will be – there will be some geographical considerations, too, because we'll want it to actually reflect the country to some degree. Mm. But here we go. So this was an exercise. Can, let, can we get – yeah, let's get I the automatics out of the way, the ones that we know we're going to agree with. Well, okay. We don't have to talk very much about it. Uh, Dan, yeah. why don't you make the first pick? Uh, I mean, wh- whoever I pick, I know you're just going to pick the other. So I'm going to go Ohio State. Ohio State Buckeyes, got to be there. <coughs> got to be there, absolutely. Yep. Uh, number uh, number two pick, yeah. And by the way, did you mention that this is, we're, we're basically taking this from a from a pool of 35 that you narrowed down to? Yeah, I took the top 30, but I thought we're the top 36. Teams 36, that had won at least won multiple national championships or had recently been in the college football playoff or is a team that is consistently every year ranked in the top 25. Right, right, right. right. Some, you know, some variant of that. So I'm taking Alabama, number two. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. Uh, let's see. Ohio State and Alabama are in it like every single year. So I'm going to take the defending national champion, the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay. Georgia, number three. That's a very solid choice. Going to have a lot of teams in the southeast because, I mean, there's just a lot of great teams. There's a lot of great teams in the Midwest, too. Uh, fourth choice, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Mm. Ohio State's Notre week one opponent. Notre Dame fighting ours. Yep. Week, Ohio State's opponent this Saturday night. That is going to be massive. First game of the season. That's what I love about 
college football sometimes. You get these matchups right off the bat first game. I think that's interesting about this game, though, is uh, this is a game Ohio State can lose and still get to the college football playoff. Oh, absolutely. Week one. I mean, just just look at last year. They lost to Oregon. Yeah, right. Exactly. And And they they still got a history of losing games out of conference and then still. I don't think they're going to lose this game, though. Ah, This one's in the shoe. A former Buckeye is the head coach at Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, former linebacker. Uh, Notre Dame is kind of in a transitional period. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's overrated. We're not breaking. Yeah, we're not breaking down uh, college football games. So okay, so you took Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, even though they've been pretty poopy the last decade, go ahead and give me USC. Southern California, number five. Mm. Uh, hmm. That's a team that has won many national titles and were like the program when Pete Carroll was running them. So you, you got to have them in there. Yep. Number six pick, give me Clemson. Mm. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney and company have been they, one of the top programs. They were not. The they decade. were not. They were not too good last year, but yeah, the last decade, yeah, they they're they're right at the top. Uh, okay, so I have – this is seven. Click number seven coming up. Uh, give me LSU. Louisiana State, Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Team that has won national championships mm-hmm. in not too mm-hmm. distant past. Mm-hmm. In fact, Joe Burrow won the national title with them in 2019. Indeed. So, uh, Eighth choice. Let's see here. Pick number eight. Give me Michigan. Boo. I'm just kidding. One of the winningest programs in college football history. Made the college football playoff, finally beating Ohio State last year for the first time in over a decade. This is true. So. All right, so I got pick number nine. Pick number nine. All right, here's pick number nine. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of professional wrestling. I heard this fight song actually at the uh, uh, the Wolstein Center this past Wednesday night at AEW Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, the Oklahoma Sooners. Sorry, that was an awesome uh, main event that night. CM Punk versus John Moxley for the title. That was not wow. the main event. Oh, it's not. Well, okay. that was not. The it main was. Event. It was the event that everybody came there's, to see. There's a there's a there's a special reason that was not the main event, which I, I can talk to you about after. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Be that as it may, so Oklahoma is off the board at number nine. Mm-hmm. Ten. Uh, if your cousin McKenna is listening right now, she's going to love this one. Uh, I'm going with the Florida State Seminoles. Okay. Yep. Number no ten, there. Tenth pick overall, many-time national champion, and one of the top programs back when Bobby Bowden was coaching them. Hmm. Jimbo Fisher won their most recent national title, of course. So there's our top ten. So, so far, to, to recap the first ten, we got Ohio State, Alabama, uh Notre Dame, Michigan, Clemson, Georgia, Louisiana State, Oklahoma, and USC. Hmm. I'm trying to go. I'm, I'm trying to go by uh, obviously historical, but I'm also trying to pick. Well, I don't know why I'm telling you my strategy. You don't need to tell me a strategy. Uh, all right, so pick number eleven. I'm going to go with Oregon. Oregon, the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, in terms of like 
the course of history, maybe not the greatest program, but they have been extremely relevant in the last two decades or so. And were denied their probably best shot at the national championship by Ohio State in 2014. Yep. So they might be the only team that gets, or one of the only teams in this that gets into this 24 without having won a national championship previously, but they've been knocking on the door for a long time. They're eventually going to get one. All right, we're at the halfway mark. Next up, ah, pick number 12. Give me the Penn State Nittany Lions. Mm. One of the more historically relevant programs, and I say this every year. This didn't ring true last year, but... When Ohio State plays Penn State, there's always something big on the line, it seems. Uh, more often than not, that's actually the bigger game for Ohio State in terms of getting to the playoff than the Michigan game is. But last year, that changed, so who knows? You're up next, number 13. Number 13. Okay, this is where it's starting to get a little bit tougher. Uh... I'm going to go with Auburn. Uh, you know what? That's a great choice. I actually was going to take them next if you didn't there. Auburn Tigers. Very, very strong program. Have won national championships in recent memory as mm. well. Hmm? Um, I mean, you can't even call them Alabama's little brother because they, they beat them a lot, actually. <laughs> Anybody remember the kick six game? Yeah. It might have been the best ending to a game I've ever seen. It's crazy that that's like what, like 11 years ago now? I that was back when AJ McCarron was playing with them. So yeah, that was that was almost a decade ago, if not a, a solid a decade ago. Oh, pick number fourteen. Uh, we're gonna stay in the SEC. Give me the Florida Gators. Mm. Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer. Anybody? Maybe it's been a la- it's been a rough few years for Florida, but it's not been that long since they've been winning national titles. Okay. Uh, number 15 this, coming this, up. This team or school is definitely in the top 25, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out a reason to not pick them this high, and I'm having a hard time doing it. Um, we're Texas. Ooh. The Texas Longhorns. It's just historical 15. value. That's what it, that's what it comes down to. It's another team that just has stunk over the last decade. Yeah. I other mean, than the one they, year, other than the one year with Sam Ellinger when they won the Sugar Bowl, where they proclaimed, "We're back," and then they proceeded to go like six and six the next year. And then they were not back. Yeah. Yeah. Texas is a very historically relevant program. I I can't blame you for taking them. Quite frankly. Uh, pick number sixteen. Yeah, it, yeah. I tell you, it. This is it's where it starting does, it to, does get start to get tough. I am going to go with another program that is very historically relevant. May not help us too much in terms of geography, but I'm going to go with them anyway. I'm going with the Miami Hurricanes. That was going to be my next pick. Yeah, this is another team that um, that has. I think they've won five national titles in their history. Their last one coming in two thousand one. You know, it hasn't been so good most of the last two decades, and they've dealt with a lot of stuff off the field. But mm. uh, they'll be back at some point, I'm sure. I'm going to follow that up with essentially a carbon copy program. I'm going to go with Tennessee. Okay, the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, you know, they're a lot like Miami. They're a lot like Texas where it's just like, okay, 
you know, they're too big of a program to just stink for this long. Like, th- this has got to be the year where they're quote-unquote back, and it just, it just hasn't happened. I mean, to be fair, they're not a team that usually bombs out entirely, but, like— No, they, but they, they'll, a lot of years they'll start, like, 4-1, and one and they'll end up 5-7. and seven. Right. Okay, next up, pick number 18. I'm going to go with the Washington Huskies. Hmm, interesting. That's a team that has won national titles in the past. They recently, semi-recently made a college football playoff, uh, mm. finishing top four. Not super great all the time, but they are usually one of the teams out on the West Coast that makes life very difficult out in the Pac-12. So, I, yeah, give me Washington. So this is 19? 19. Give me Sparty, Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah, quote-unquote little brother. They have been anything but for much of the last 15 years. They've become an extremely solid program, especially uh, under Mark D'Antonio. Obviously, he's not there anymore, but, I mean, they made a college football playoff as well during that period. Solid, solid choice there at 19. At 20, put this in the not historically, like, no, like, long-running pageantry, not historical great, but... Boy, has this team made a huge mark on the college football landscape in the last two decades. Give me the Boise State Broncos. Okay. I, I was thinking you were going somewhere else, and I was going I, I to vehemently disagree with it, but I can't disagree with Boise. Some of the most iconic <laughs> pool yeah. games in college the history Statue of Liberty involved this team. Against Oklahoma so, in the Fiesta Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, Talk about a team punching above their weight in terms of geography and their recruitment and all that. So, yeah, Boise State, number 20. 21. I don't think this one has been picked yet. Uh, give me the Wisconsin Badgers. All right. See, Badgers. We need no stinking Badgers. <laughs> we need them in this 24. So. All right, so I have one pick left. You have 21st, two picks. 21st, yes. I got two picks left. Yeah, these last few cuts are pretty brutal, honestly. Uh, oh, boy. You got some historically relevant programs in there. You've got some, like, newer up-and-coming programs in there. You've got a few that are sort of kind of a hybrid of both, and this program is one of them. I'm going to pick them because they are usually a – I mean, they haven't made a playoff, but they're usually a team that makes a lot of noise, and I think they have – Maybe their fans are enough to just get them in. I think I know where you're going. Give me the Virginia Tech Hokies. Oh, okay. No different. Yeah. Interesting. I thought you were going to take my last pick. Virginia Tech, I mean, they're they're right up there in terms of just the sheer pride. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they're usually a very Greatest very college football program. entrance ever. Better than Clemson? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just it's, because of it's the fa- pretty much between those two. In I my mean, what, the Clemson, they rub the rock and run, down, run the down the hill. Virginia Virginia Tech is not just the team; it's the it's the entire stadium jumping up and down to enter Sandman. Yep, it's just fantastic. That is, amazing. I mean, you you won't find a better like night atmosphere for a game than Blacksburg. No, you won't. Uh, okay, this is my Two last pick. Picks left. Um, I'm gonna go Texas A and M. Texas A and M Aggies. Yeah. 23rd, solid in the Big 12. I think I know where you're going Even for the more last pick. Solid in their, oh. And this is going to be the first time where I'm going to disagree with you. As much as I want to pick the Cincinnati Bearcats. <laughs> That's where I thought being, you were going. For being in the playoff last year and being 13-0. and 0. 
I thought that's where you were going. I just don't think over the course of their history. Yeah. No, and, I agree. And like in terms of the the whole pageantry of it, like yeah. I've been to if different stadiums have... for a game. It's awesome. I'm not disparaging Cincinnati in any way, but I yeah. If, if like this, they're if this was a 32 team league, I think they would be in. They're on the but... level. They're they're similar to uh they're similar to Boise State. How Boise State started their run, like Cincinnati needs to do this over a five six year stretch to be considered. In my opinion, my opinion. Yeah. There are two teams. That, I mean, they were an honorable mention. Another two more honorable mentions for me were Pittsburgh and Minnesota, two teams that have won multiple national titles but have not been so great in recent years. I, I just can't. I, I, it's hard for me to cons- I know Pitt actually. Pitt actually won the ACC last year, I think, but the ACC was terrible. So like, I, I can't put a whole lot of value in that. In Minnesota, I can't just take I can't take them at face value. No, a, no, Sky Yuma as a as a serious program. Sorry, got listen, like six listen, teams from the listen, Big Ten. Listen, you want to know what disqualifies them? They lost to BG last year. That's right. And this isn't your mother. This isn't your mother and your father's BG. <laughs> this wasn't the BG that was that winning. Was that was away, winning the MAC two two out of three years. You know, knocking out Maryland and Purdue and like kneeling the ball down because they didn't want to make it more embarrassing. Yeah. You know, no, this was 2015. This was Bowling Green that won <laughs> one other game last year. Yeah, embarrassing. Like that was probably the single worst loss by any team in the Power Five a year ago. Yeah, shout out BG. Yeah, just just uh, fired their athletic director by the way. In the end, I'm taking. I'm looking out west for the final pick. Okay, and there oh, were I a couple I, teams mm, that were in yeah. contention, but I'm going to go with another team that was really really good when they were punching above their weight from a smaller conference, and now they're in a big mm. conference, and they're still really good. Give me the Utah Utes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, Urban Meyer and Kyle Whittingham built that program, and they're still chugging away. And I – Yeah. They're the only – I think they're on the, one of only two active college football programs that are playing in an Olympic stadium. Interesting. USC and Utah. I think had I had the last pick – I think I would have gone with Iowa. Yeah, they were right up there too. But I'm not going to disparage you with Utah. I, I we would have had a knockdown drag out if you would have picked Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> first of all, first of all, I would have pointed out your bias. <laughs> Obviously, yes. And the and the fact that the they've only been really elite for one year. So right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But so um, shout out other, Matthew. Couple other uh, top or. Other programs that were considered that we did not pick, Stanford. That's who I kind of thought you were going with until you said uh, used to be in a smaller conference. Yeah, I just don't think they're consistent enough to put them in. Arizona State was another team I looked at. Colorado was another team that won national titles in the past but haven't been so great in most recent times. Probably the biggest, like, brand team that we did not – oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to to go off that brand thing – for teams that have that are on that were on your top thirty six list that yeah. haven't been good over the last decade, the only reason why I put them in there is because like like you got your USC's, your Texas, you know those start type of teams is because of their brand. That's right. it. Because they haven't been good and in the last decade. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, they're, they they definitely both have their glory days, but they've mm-hmm. been terrible the last decade. And the team that probably if if, if we were national, probably. The one city we would not be able to set foot in right now would be Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Because we left well, Nebraska Cornhuskers listen, out. After what they did on Saturday, an onside kick in the fourth quarter up 28-17, to 17, 
and then end up losing 31 to 28. <laughs> That's how they lost the game. Did you I not know that? No, I wasn't even aware of that. They were up 21 to 17. They scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to go up 28-17 and Scott Frost kicks an onside kick. Oh, you deserve to lose I mean, if you're you going to do something like you that. You talk about us taking surprise onside kick to another level. Who in their right mind is going to kick an onside kick when they go up two scores in the fourth quarter? Why would you even risk giving a team a short field like that to come back? <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, you know, people are people in the Bretton Lincoln are calling for Scott Frost's job to the, you know, on Monday. He hasn't exactly done a sterling job there. To no, he with. hasn't. I mean, to be honest with you, the only reason why I think he's keeping it, he's he's kept his job this long is because he's an alum. Hmm. So, but yeah, Nebraska, yeah, historically, a lot of a lot of corn being husked over there, hmm. especially around this time of the year. One other team that I did have on the provisional list that we did not take, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Country roads take me home to the place. I belong, West Virginia. Mountain mama, take me home, country road. I had to mention them just so you would sing that. Hell yeah. Little Johnny Denver. Uh yeah, all right. So that so, is the twenty four game. So we'll stack them up. Uh, give us your thoughts on that. See uh, whose twelve is better. You hey, know, you, know, you should I. get a Twitter account and then post this on social media so people can see it. Well, maybe I will. Oh, interessante. Oh, does he already have one picked out? Does he have a Twitter handle? Is this breaking news? Are we, me, are we gonna me, are we gonna end the episode on a cliffhanger? Because we're at about an hour and a half on this episode. Uh, we'll tease it for next. You week. need an answer by next week. I'm put I'm putting it down yep. again. We said before Brown season. Before Brown season. Ne- so next next episode, episode is the penultimate uh, episode before Brown season. September seventh, as we will yes. not be recording. We'll be yes, recording yes, a yes, day yes, late yes. next week. Absolutely, but not a dollar short. Never. So anyway, that is going to do it for us on this episode of Living Off the Land. Appreciate you guys listening. If you're still listening, we thank you for uh, getting through the hour and a half with us. We had a lot of fun tonight. Um, Hope you did, too, listening. So uh, you can follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. And uh, you can follow me at Daniel J. Ford. You can follow Steve at, at question mark, question mark, question mark. We'll find out next week. But until then, I'm Dan. He's Steven. And you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.